For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and Women's History Month continues, and softball season continues. Name a better duo. I don't think you can. But one thing that really resonated with me in last week's episode with Stanford outfielder Taylor Gindelsberger is that through the challenges over the last year, she said a big thing she learned is how much softball actually means to her after how hard it was to be away from it, and especially her teammates. And really, that's what it's all about. I mean, the game and all that goes with it and the group of women that you go to battle with, laugh with, cry with, grow with, do everything with. Getting to share those stories on this show is the dream. And I know it means a lot to you too. So some reminders and ways you can follow and support. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube too so you can also watch the episodes. With that, let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases, share some softball news and updates with you. Then we'll head into today's interview with Samantha Finley, who is basically a Women's College World Series legend. If you know, you know. If not, you're about to find out. And then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, our segment where we share tips to get better as members of the softball community and as people. So let's dive right in. Covering our bases. First, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, who is also supporting this women's sports show. So gotta love it. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. I'm telling you, college basketball is dialing up March Madness. And I love it because I love sports, right? Especially since we missed out on March Madness last year. But it also kind of gets me excited for softball mayhem that's coming in the postseason later this spring in May, hence the name. I'm not sure who actually came up with the hashtag mayhem thing for softball. The first time I think I saw it was years ago from Beth Moens, so shout out to her. And as we know, she also calls a ton of other sports, including basketball. So back to that really quick. The tournament is coming, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest. And again, BetOnline is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So there's college basketball, but then there are so many things to talk about in college softball. It's really hard to pick what to cover every week in this section. I mean, it's a fun problem to have. I missed having that problem last year. So I do want to give some shout outs and and highlight some things for each big part of the game that I'm noticing so far in the season. Defense, I got to give some love to Aaliyah Andrews. 
have you seen the Sports Center highlights? She's a center fielder at LSU, multiple full extension diving catches to her left, to her right, covering a ton of ground. It's just beautiful. And she is the sister of Gold Glover and Athletes Unlimited player AJ Andrews, who we're used to seeing her make plays like that at LSU. Now it's like deja vu. LSU deja vu. You see what I did there? I like it. But basically, the two of them are basically Air Andrews, and we need a merch deal ASAP, in my opinion. So that's defense. Offense, really want to give a shout out to Maddie Hackbarth from ASU. 12 home runs and 34 RBIs on the season already. She had nine home runs in nine games. Unreal. But what I also like is she's also hitting 491 this season and leading the team in doubles with eight. That's the kind of thing to me that moves you from a good power hitter to a great consistent hitter. Home runs are great, obviously, but gap to gap hitting is where it's at. Also shout out to Arizona State offense in general. They're hitting 388 as a team with 48 home runs. They were on track to just absolutely, well, no, not even on track. They exploded last year with home runs too, and they're already almost at 50. It's insane. And they'll probably add to that this weekend as Pac-12 play starts. And I remember interviewing head coach Trisha Ford last year, and she gave a ton of credit to their hitting coach, Jeff Harger, and how he really knows how to work with hitters individually for what they need. And they also had some cool tech where you could literally simulate the field in a batting cage. You could see Farrington Stadium, for example, track the ball path, et cetera. It was just crazy. But needless to say, they know what they're doing in Tempe. So that's offense. Pitching, got to call out recent Believe in Softball guest, Rachel Garcia. And actually, ASU and UCLA will be playing each other to open up conference play this weekend. So we'll probably see Garcia and Hackbarth go head to head. That'll be fun. Um, but just for background, Garcia was out for a little bit after getting injured while legging out an infield single a few weeks back, but she's back. Her first real start in the circle was versus UNLV this past weekend. And I say her first real start because I'm not counting the February start she had where she didn't throw a pitch because it was after she had her injury, but in her first real start recorded 14 of 15 outs by strikeout. She's only got 10 and a third innings pitched this season. It's a really small sample size, but she hasn't allowed a single run this season and has recorded 28 of 31 outs by strikeout. That's the part that really got me when looking at her stats. That many strikeouts, like proportionally to the outs you're getting as a pitcher. Crazy. But that's what the greats do. They don't skip a beat. And I think it's going to be great for her prepping for the Olympics as well. Speaking of which, let's do an Olympic prep sort of around the world. Some maybe quick facts and updates for all the teams because we're getting closer and closer. As I mentioned last week, Team USA and Team Mexico played exhibition games against each other. The U.S. is continuing the stand beside her tour at college campuses as well, like Florida this week. So it was reunion for Aubrey Monroe, Michelle Moultrie, Kelsey Stewart. Now, the team didn't have Rachel Garcia, Bubba Nichols, and Deja Molipola, who are all playing in college, um, but still really awesome to see them together again. But also don't forget that Team Mexico has collegiate players too. Three players were named to the USA Softball Player of the Year Top 50 watch list. Tatiana Forbes, Nicole Mendez, and Aliyah Jordan, who are obviously getting great reps this college season, which is great. Team Australia is participating in a two-week simulation camp 
with the Australian Institute of Sport, the AIS, gold medal program. And basically they're getting mentoring from 11 Olympic and Paralympic gold medalists. And it's really based on scenario planning. So they're playing games at the same time as their Olympic schedule will be played. So they're really getting down uh, to the nitty gritty here. Japan, their roster is set to be named March 23rd. Now other teams like Team USA just kept the same roster as they already had in 2020. Other teams have waited to kind of finalize that roster. It's, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but the team is in training camp in Okinawa until the 19th, so the end of this week. And head coach Utsugi and the Japanese Softball Association will then name the 15-player roster after that. But we already know that Yukiko Ueno will be one of their aces. We talk a lot about how Kat and Monica from USA have, having been there in 2008 for the last Olympics. Well, so was Ueno, right? And she's just a top-tier pitcher, so I'm excited to see her. Canada, Softball Canada launched a new female mentorship program that is designed to develop future female coaches, umpires, and administrators throughout Canada in the softball world. And there will be opportunity for career development, professional and leadership skill building, and networking. And I just love this update because it's all about investing in women. And that's what matters, really. That's what all this is about at the end of the day. So lastly, with Team Italy, they have been dealing with some adversity recently after the passing of their coach Enrico Obletter. So firstly, I want to send out some thoughts, prayers, condolences to the entire organization, especially Italy team captain and former guest on the show, Erica Biancastelli. Team Italy has since then named Federico Pizzolini as a new head coach for the Olympics and also want to wish him the best as they as a team get ready for Tokyo. So lots of updates that are all kind of all over the spectrum. And all of this really is a reminder of how much is going on, on and off the field for these Olympic athletes. After all this buildup, the trials and tribulations, these Olympic games, I think really will be like no other in more ways than one, like not just because of the protocols around COVID, but the larger effects and other things that are happening as well. And I just can't wait to see the passion flow through the players when they finally get there. But we also have plenty of softball to watch until then, some unbelievable moments that we'll witness, and somebody who knows what that's all about is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is a Michigan alum, 2005 NCAA national champion, four-time All-Big Ten honoree, and program record holder, Samantha Finley. Thanks for joining, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. I think what you're doing is great. Um, it's great for the game and I, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think what you've done for the game is also great um, in so many ways, but maybe I'll just start with this. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. I uh, currently work downtown in the city of Chicago where I grew up. So I'm back home and uh, I'm a human resource manager of about 300 truck drivers. So I'm putting my education to work. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez, that's a lot of that's a lot of work, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy the challenge. Um, I work for a very good company, Ozinga Concrete. It's a family-owned generation, fifth-generation company. Um, I've been here for seven years. It's my home away from home, and uh, I work with a great team here in Chicago. 
I love that. I love that. I love it when you see players kind of take what it is that they learned to like in that college experience and for you in the professional experience as well as a softball player, but then transfer that over and apply it to other careers too. Yeah, I would definitely say the things that I learned um, under Carol Hutchins tutelage at Michigan has definitely set me up for success for the many challenges of the real workplace in, in my professional career. Oh, I'm sure. And I definitely have some questions for you about Hutch, because how can we not <laughs> talk about her, right? Like, come on. But, Can't talk about Michigan softball without Carol Hutchins. Exactly. They're synonymous. Like, come on. <laughs> but, you know, like, back to you. We'll get, we'll get to Hutch, but back to you. <laughs> um, everyone knows, you know, you will forever be linked to that one pitch in Oklahoma City, the walk-off home run to win the national championship, against UCLA. And I actually, I remember watching it live on TV when I was a teenager, you know, and fast forward 16 years later, like here we are talking about it again. Right. But how do you look back on that experience now? Um, I think now looking back, obviously that was one of the biggest stages of my life, one of the biggest stages of my career, but looking back now, honestly, it had, it had to do with the team to be honest with you. And yeah, it's cliche, but if that team wasn't that team or we didn't have the motivation that we had or set the goals the way that we did, I don't think I would have achieved what I was able to achieve in that moment. And I do think that um, what I learned most was taking on those pressure situations is something my entire life I've wanted to be a part of. And I think that's what had made me successful was it wasn't a pressure situation. It was like any other game. I just knew I needed to perform and step up. So that's the thing that you, you're already hitting on it right here, which I wanted to ask you. It's like, what does it take to be clutch? Because so many people look at just the moment and they're like, oh my gosh, wow, this is so rainbows and butterflies. You know what I mean? But it's so much that leads up to that moment, to your point. I think the, the moment is the preparation before, and it is an absolute grind of a mindset and the mindset of an athlete to put their own pressure on themselves in practice. Like I try to teach young girls um, that I work with is that your practice, you should be mentally and physically drained at the conclusion of practice. Then I know I put in the work I needed to, to perform when the game's on the line and the bases are loaded and my team's down by three runs. Now I'm ready because I've been there before and I've practiced it with the type of pressure that I need. And I think that that's, what's going to separate the good athletes from the great in a clutch situation is they act in poise. They act calm. They've been here before, but that has taken on so much practice through repetition, through visualizing like the games on the line, feeling that pressure, your adrenaline comes um, and I think that the more that you can make practices like that, the game becomes easy. The game is the fun part. So I, I think that that will ultimately help you. I think I actually read you talking about that, just that <laughs> you really were having so much fun. And it's like, you know, winning is the most fun, obviously. But, yeah. but sometimes when we take that too seriously, like it, there's, a, there's a line between, you know, respecting the game, dedicating, you know, yourself to your craft and then like mm -hmm. overdoing it. I agree. Um, I think the, the big thing that separates us, at least at the collegiate level, was the, the way that the coaches handle 
the morale of the team and the commitment of the group, I think is important. And the attitude of the coaching staff plays a vital role in how the athletes are going to respond. And I think that that year in particular, it was like, we were all together. Like one was picking up nine, nine was picking up one, like number 16 on the team was just as valuable of a player and in their role as the number one pitcher was. And I think once you learn to accept that as a group, then you can achieve those goals that you want collectively as a group because everybody has a path and your roles may change, but you have a clear indication of of where you're going and how you're going to get there. That's so true. And I feel like this theme has come up a lot, actually, when I've talked to other people who have been where you've been, you know, like actually won in Oklahoma City. It's that we needed every single person on this team. You know, recently I talked with Calista Balco um, mm-hmm. from U of A, right? And I, I'm sure yeah. you guys played against each other, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but it was sort of the same mindset, you know, that she was saying, like, we needed everybody on the team. Even beyond that, like an international ball, Team Mexico qualifying for the first time ever. Like, that's something that they say, like, we needed every single person to make that happen. But you're right. It kind of comes down to that buy-in as a group. And that commitment starts, like, I think day one, and that's, that's important. Like everybody says, Oh, day one, you set your goals, but day one is where you set your goals and you commit to it and you commit to it every single day. You walk across the line and put on a uniform that says Michigan across your chest or USA across your chest or UCLA for that matter, it, whatever it is, it, it, it's the mindset that you have going into that practice, into that game. And that's what truly separates the good from the great, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it, to be honest. (laughs) Oh, man. And I know that Jessica Merchant was a senior when you were the freshman, like during that that winning year for you guys. And it's funny because like I'm a Stanford softball alum, as as we've talked about, and I'm I'm actually in the area calling games on on the live streams right now. And and I've met her a few times. Thank you. Yeah, I met her a few times and I can just see like that competitiveness and it makes so much sense to me why Coach Alistair, the head coach at Stanford, was like, yep, need Merchant here because they were at Minnesota together. Now they're here. They're, they're uh-huh. doing their thing. But I, I was excited to talk to you, um, not just about her, but about the team in general, because yeah. it's really cool that you guys are able to do that. And she being a senior to your freshman, you know? I think that's the, one of the biggest things that, that I learned. I, I walked into there, obviously, 18 years old, and you're like – full life is ahead of you. But I walked in there and I had a few, sorry, I had a few seniors on the team, Jessica Merchant in in particular and Nicole Motika that were seniors, but they treated me like I was a a member of the team, not that I was a freshman. And I think that when you, when you can do that as a senior athlete and impact a freshman athlete in that manner, knowing that they're going to help you just as much get to your goals as you want to get there that was the turning point for me. I was accepted as a member of the Michigan softball team, not a freshman on the Michigan softball team. And Jessica Merchant obviously played a big role in that. And she is very competitive. Um, she still is very competitive, I would assume. But that's what makes her great. And that's what made her a great teammate, you know. She, and I'll never forget it. Um, she struck out that at bat before I hit it. And she came back to me on deck and she smacked my helmet so hard. I knew I was like, I was doing it for her. And I was doing it for my team more importantly, but like that type of pick me up in that situation, like, Hey, you got this, not like upset that you struck out, but like, you're going to pick me up. I know you're going to do it. And that gave me, I think the confidence and put, put the play into motion. Yeah. I mean, that's real leadership, you know, 
Like people talk about that in terms of your partner in life, right? It's like, you don't want someone who's standing in front of you or behind you. You want someone that's right there next to you, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and I feel like with teammates, I've always been a believer that age is not a factor. Um, I I I don't agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're like the ultimate example (laughs) of that. Right. Um, And I, I you try to train your athletes that way too. Like, you know, why are you going to wait till your senior year to make it happen? Like you're walking in the door at the same place. You got four years to show yourself. So, yeah. yeah. And, but to your point, the fact that you were kind of put in a position to be successful by your teammates, by Hutch, by everybody that at that point, you know, like it, it takes that whole team culture to even allow you to feel like, Oh, I'm not just a freshman. Right. Like yeah. them being able to do that helps you thrive at the end of the day. I agree. And, and it helped us thrive as a team that year. Cause it, it was, like I said, it wasn't just one of us or one game. It literally was the entire staff from volunteer coach. I remember coach Teague, I'll never forget her. She would always, you know, she's always staying after practice late. I believe she's the head coach at Columbia now, but she's always staying after late. You want some more front toss? Like, yeah, like it involved the entire group. And that's why we were great, I think, that year. And it's not easy, as you can tell, we never made it back that my, my other four years. So it's not an easy task to win a World Series, let alone get there. But I, I think that's a true testament, you know, to, to the coaching staff there that we had um, during the years I was there. Yeah, I, I mean, especially at the time that you guys did it and the time that you were in the collegiate softball scene, Like it was just so Pac-12 dominant, West Coast dominant. The fact that you guys were actually the first program, you know, east of the Mississippi River that had won a title, Mm -hmm. the first program from a cold weather state. It's it's so much bigger than just like that one pitch, that one moment, you know. Um, I think the the turning point, honestly, for us that year, I remember vividly, was in California at the Fullerton Tournament. I think we were close to being ranked um, higher and we had a good record, but that tournament, I think people started to give us the respect that we obviously had earned um, finally. And it was after that tournament because we started winning big ball games and we were winning against, you know, those top teams that you see at the world series every single year, you know, winning the world series every single year, multiple years. So I think that that was a turning point for us and that further piggybacked our train of success like we can hang. And, and I think that motivated us even more to get where we did end up getting at the end. Right. And beyond just what you did for Michigan softball, it's like, what do you think about in terms of big 10 softball? Like how would you describe big 10 softball? Cause it's a power five conference, but again, you know, the PAC 12 and then recently the sec is such a central focus, at least on TV. Uh-huh. It's like, what about big 10 softball? Do we need to know? I think that um, Big Ten softball earned earned the opportunity that they can make it and they can make it and make an impact in the Women's College World Series and be a contender. Because after I think we were there, like Northwestern started going a lot. Iowa was making it far in the super sectionals. Like a lot of other teams, Illinois turned it around their program, like a lot of other Big Ten teams were hanging up there. And I think that it just hopefully motivated the the, the other schools and let them know, like, you know, we can do it. Yeah. You have things in your way. We can't play 24 seven year round, but you can just compete and create that mindset as if it were year round. Um, it's all, I think in the way that you look at it, obviously 
your mindset in my own opinion, but I think that that's hopefully what will help uh, big 10 contenders day in and day out, get back to the world series. Yeah. And even seeing Minnesota, you know, yes. like and what they've been able to do in recent years, it's like, to be frank, it just not like a super top of mind program really, yeah. you know, in D one before, but then, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Jessica Merchant helped with that, but, um, and then coach Alistair from Stanford and she was my assistant coach, my freshman year. Oh, she was? Okay, yes. Great. And she recruited me and recruited most of the people I played with, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And, and again, when I met Merchant, I was like, okay, I can totally you see how it. these two complement so each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but just, you know, what they're able to do, and it's lasted since they've even left. Like, now that they've been at Stanford for a few years, it's still, you know, Minnesota's ranked. Like, they they went to that World Series. Like, they have some great players. It's it's cool. And I, that's when I really started paying more attention to Big Ten softball. And I think the impact is just the, that culture. Like, you can see what Alistair and a merchant would bring, what type of, you know, mentality and experience that they would bring. And when you can convince 16 to 18 young women athletes that, Hey, you know, I'm here for you. I'm behind you. Let's work hard. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a grind, but we're in it for a reason and we're in it to win it. And we want to, I will never forget Jessica Merchant said that, you know, not many seniors get to win their last game. And she was able to be a senior that won her last game. Like most of us lose our last game, you know? So um, I think that that, that in and of itself is, is the key thing is having a coaching staff that complements each other well and gets 16 to 18 girls who should love playing on the field you take, take you away from the, the rest of the world for whatever hours that you're out there and focus on the one thing that you all truly are passionate about and love. Yes. And it's so much easier said than done, but, but that's <laughs> awesome. And so now, now I got to ask about Hutch. Like now, now we've, <laughs> we've paved the path here. <laughs> so how was she able to do that so well? Um, her presence, I would say her presence, her presence and her ability to get you to understand why she needs you to do what she's asking you to do. And then not just her presence, but holding you accountable to it. And like I said, it wasn't just her. Bonnie was, Bonnie's very good at the attention to detail part. And I take that with me here every day to my job. So that detail oriented, like that compliment, and obviously Biggie with the pitching staff and the catching staff, that mindset and her obviously US, UCLA background does, does help a little bit. Um, but I think that for the most part, it just truly, it's her command presence, her ability to express how much Michigan softball means to her, but how much it should mean to us. And I think that um, in your four years that you're there, you learn that and you learn a, a lot of respect for who she is and what she's done for that program and continues to do. I mean, almost 40 years at Michigan. <laughs> like, it's crazy. And she's somebody that you always see like every year on TV, you know, and, and you look forward to it. I feel like she's kind of a favorite, like she, I love to watch her, you know, having no, like, yeah, she kind of is like having no direct link to Michigan. I was like, Oh, I really like her. You know, I like watching like what they do there. And so it definitely got a creative approach and it, it works and it works for Michigan and it works for all the alumni that have ever been there and the current staff that is there. And they just truly are lucky. It goes by too fast and they're very lucky to have that kind of guidance in their life. Truly. Yeah. 
but and it seems like that extends far beyond you know your four years actually on the field on the team like it the alumni base seems really invested too and that, that seems like it's an, a reflection of her as well I agree a hundred percent. And that, that's what I loved about Michigan was the family atmosphere and, and the way that so many people from so many years of playing ago come out and still continue to support that program and support her. And, and I think that's a testament to her character and who she is. Yeah. I remember reading in 2015, you know, so 10 <laughs> years after you guys won it, you know, team 28, but you guys <laughs> wrote the letters to team 38 just mm-hmm. kind of passing on learnings and, and encouragement and all that stuff. And that's so cool. Like what, how did that even come about? I'm not sure hundred percent who, who started it or how it came out, but I do remember, you know, them reaching out to us. And I, I thought at the time, I'm like, wow, this is really awesome. Like, I wish I would have got a letter, like at the heat of, you know, all the pressure, you're getting a letter from somebody who had worn your number. So that's a ton of respect at Michigan, like honoring the people that wore your number before you, but that's the type of culture she's created. So it makes you to be prouder that, that you're a part of something bigger than yourself. That's the biggest thing I think I took from it is that I'm invested into Michigan and Michigan softball. And that's something bigger than who I am. And, and I love that part about that. Yeah. I saw that you guys like, we're flying in from all over long <laughs> drives too, like to get there. Like, it, it's just really cool when you see that because yes, those four years are, are important, but it is a lifetime thing that you decide to do when you choose that place that you're going to spend your collegiate career. Mm-hmm. And I think more young athletes should do their research and it would help them out. Cause there's so many places and there's so many opportunities, but then it gets back to like, how bad do you want it? And what do you want? Right. Right. And I feel like we've already covered some of this, but it's like, what, <laughs> what was it that drew you to Michigan? Like, why were you like, yes, I need to be a part of this program. I, um, I knew I wanted to go to a program where I could compete. That was competitive. I wanted to be a little bit away from home, but not too far. Cause my grandmother has passed, but she, I wanted her to be able to travel to the game. She came to all my high school games. So it was important that, it, at least for me, it wasn't too far. Um, and a four-hour trip to Ann Arbor is an easy ride for an 80-year-old lady, apparently, according to my dad. So um, I wanted to be somewhere far enough where I could say I went to college and that my grandma could still come watch us play. So that's the reason why I went there. And then obviously, I mean, my, I think my... Uh, official visit when I stepped on campus it's like a feel you just kind of know and I stepped on campus and met the coaches and I just it felt right to me so I uh canceled a couple other ones not too happy and uh I made my way with Michigan and I think it was a good choice in the end that's also something that comes up all the time it's like you have that kind of like warm fuzzy feeling you just I mean I felt that same way coming to Stanford and and most people do but I yeah. think you hit on something that's so important, which is the fit that's right for you. You know, people get caught up in, in certain expectations or certain things they think they want, but it's like, what fits for your life? You know, you're a Midwest girl. You wanted to yeah. be close <laughs> to family, but, and I, I actually, similar, like I, I'm from Southern California, went to Northern okay. California. So I was, you know, away, but like, yes, so my family, could, exactly. Right. My family could come see. And so you kind of get that independence, like you, you learn how to be on your own, but then you also 
yeah, to your point, it's like, you're not like, you don't feel like you're on the other side of the world. Right. I think that's what probably made me more successful. Cause I did, I felt like I was away, could enjoy it, you know, enjoy the experience, but then I knew that they were going to be there. And, and that's why, you know, that's why you play, you play for you, you play for your family and, and mo- most, and more importantly, you play for your team. Yeah. Well, and, and your team ends up being a new form of family. Correct. You know, it's like, Yes, your family, okay, they were in the Chicago area, cool. They would come watch you. But your family, when you weren't with them, it's that's your 18 team. other girl, 18 other girls who love love doing what you do every single day. Yeah, there's just nothing like it. Like teammates are, it's, it's, it's hard to describe because it's, it's not like anything else, in my opinion. It's like they're not, you know, blood family or whatever. They're right. not just, just a normal friend. It's like you're more than just friends. That doesn't quite yeah. describe it, you know. Because you care about them and you want them to be successful too. I think that's kind of what, what separates a teammate. Like you want each, each teammate to do as best as they can do. And if we all do 1% better daily at the end of the day, at the end of the year, we're all 365% better. So collectively as a group, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's, that's spot on. (laughs) But Hutch, to your point, Hutch had to create the environment that nurtured that between you guys, you know? And so that's the thing. It's like with coaches, there's the on-field stuff. They know their Mm -hmm. stuff. They're able to teach that sort of thing. But then there's the off the field stuff too. How do you think she was able to sort of bring both of those things together? Um, In that aspect, I would say, we obviously as a team hung out with each other nonstop, regardless of if she, if she force funded or not, but I would never call it forced fun. Stuff that points out is like in um, Ann Arbor, we would go up there, a few of us, and you meet with the children and you meet with the patients and, you know, you bring your sign balls and they appreciate it. They appreciate the time and doing stuff like that, giving back to the community, I think brings you together as a team. And, and that's kind of how we grew up, grew up you know, while we were athletes, like being involved, going to help at the schools, you know, things of that nature. There's so much help in the community. And if we can ser- serve our communities, we could serve each other um, on the field. It's such a good way to get perspective too. Like yeah, there's totally. so much failure in softball and there's a lot going on in college. You know, you're just trying to be a student too. There's a lot. And to kind of be able to participate in something like that with your teammates. It just kind of, I think it's a good reset for you as well as just doing good in the world. Yeah. And, and I think that plays well in life also. So, you know, I think we're, we're meant to serve others. And I think a lot of us are blessed with the ability to inspire other people. And if you have a special gift and a talent, then share it with the people that need it the most. Right. Right. That's, that's what we're all called to do at the end of the day. Yep. I know we talk about a lot about, again, that like big moment, your freshman year, but like you said, you had three more years to play. Like, it's not like that was it for your career. There was still a lot of more softball ahead of you at the time. So, but when you have like that kind of success so early, how do you move forward from that? Um, I, I think that you move forward from it. Like, the high of winning a national championship as a freshman and then having to your sophomore year feel the pressure of 
we got to get back there and do that. And I think that that's something I wish I had done a little bit differently. I put a lot of pressure on myself at the beginning, like have to be better than last year, had to do this. And I think it took away the focus of, of the goals as a group and the goals as a team. And you can look it up. My sophomore year was awful. Um, and it is, but I think that in learning that, that failure after such success like that, it made me better my junior and senior year because I, I wanted to stay consistent and, and I wanted to show that I, it wasn't just one year and it was a one year hit. Like I wanted, I wanted to be known that I'm a good athlete for the collegiate career of four years. But I do think that as an athlete, when you fail like that, it had only made me better. Right. Because that's when you learn, you learn the hard stuff. That's yep. right. And I think, you know, what, what's cool about your career, in my opinion, is starting off strong is awesome. We also finished really strong individually. Of course, you know, you would have loved to have another <laughs> title, right? Like, yes. of course, but you know, just in terms of your journey, I love to see that. I love when people finish strong. And I think, you know, statistically speaking, that was your best year of the four, right? Yeah, I think so. Like I said, I'm not a big stats girl. So um, I, I think, I think it was. Um, and like I said, I, I do remember wanting to finish strong and, and prove that I was capable of, of being a consistent athlete. And I think anybody would want that in four years. Yeah. But I think what you just said is actually important. Like you're not big on stats. You can't get consumed by stats. Oh my gosh. If you just look at the numbers constantly, it, you'll dry, you'll go crazy. You know, it's, <laughs> there's so much more failure than success, at least hitting wise. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like that's and I also think the one thing. The one thing that we were successful at least my freshman year, and I'm sure she continues to do it is like, we were so dead set on like that one pitch softball mindset and in softball the best term memory is a short-term memory because you have to get over stuff quickly and adjust constantly you know and it, it's tons of repetition you do the same stuff over and over again but it's learning to embrace that repetition which is what makes you successful at least in this sport yes that's 100 percent right and the other, <laughs> the other thing about your senior year though that i always think is interesting too is the fact that you actually change positions like late in your career, you were able to do that for your team. What was the process like to, to make that sort of adjustment, you know, way down the line? Yeah. Um, well, champions adjust. That's my first thing. And when Carol Hunchin pulls you to the side and tells you, hey, this is what's going to be what's best for the team. I turned and looked at her and said, if that's what's best for this team, I'm in it. And so that's what happened. Dorian Shaw was a, a highly touted freshman um, coming in. And as you know, I obviously had just come merchant. So I was a senior and I wanted to guide her the best way that, that I was. And so that kind of cycle happened again to me. And like I said, if Coach Hutch pulls you in and says it's best for the team, I'm on board. And I'm on board all the way. And that's what it was. And we made it work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when... She's the kind of coach that makes you buy in no matter what, but it's that mindset. Like you, I love the fact that you just said champions adjust because it's so true. Like you, you're not, it's never get comfortable. You know, it's, it's always, I don't know. It's always to focus on the next pitch, do the next right thing. That I definitely take that type of champions adjust mindset. I take with me every day in life because there's always going to be something that didn't go the way that you planned as you adjust find a way. And I'm saying, how can I, how can I get to the end result? Figure it out. You have said it a few times and you've even shared some of this already. 
but to go into further depth, how has everything that you've experienced and learned in softball transferred into your life now? Um, I would have to say that the lessons that I learned through softball are something that I take with me daily. In my routine, I raised two children. I have a son that's seven, Logan, named after the Wolverine, and my princess daughter, Annabelle. She's five. And, you know, it's a, it's a constant um, mindset, and it's a constant ability to adjust. Paying attention to the details, being detail-oriented, it's something I need to be successful at my job. But I also chose a career who um, believes in family and understands the balance between work life and your family life. And I think that that's what's helped me be successful in where I am today with my company here. Being a manager of a human resource manager of 300 truck drivers is never easy. Dealing with their families, having to talk to the wives and, and things of that nature and, and on a quick basis, I have to make command decisions and, and the right decisions. And I think the ability that I learned through softball has transpired into my work here and into my career and my professional life. And I am forever grateful, obviously, for that time management, that attention to detail, and, you know, being able to be strong enough to make hard decisions. Like those pressure situations create for you, it, it happens to me daily. And I feel that I'm successful with it because of that mentality that has been shaped um, from previously playing. I love that. And the fact that you once again have chosen something that's the best fit for you. You know, you did that when you went to Michigan, yes. but you're doing that now. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> of course. And speaking of your, your kids, I'm glad you brought them up because I have seen some photos of your daughter hitting <laughs> off the tee in a dress. So, um, yeah, she's lefty by lefty by natural, the way that she grips the bat. And um, she likes to wear a dress and heels. But if she's going to wear a dress and heels and she wants to work at it, she's going to work hard. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I like that. I mean, that's what you got to do. Those, those are good parenting skills right there. And, you know, you got to let your kids be your kids. And, and Anna is who she is. She, she likes to wear a dress and heels. Then she's going to hit softballs. I'm all for it. Let her be her. Exactly. Exactly. I think the biggest thing for me is, um, at least here at Ozinga, is, is being a part of a team. And I am a part of a team here in the Chicago division. We have a smaller office than our corporate office here where I'm stationed in Chicago. And there's about 30 of us staff in my office daily. And we are a big team. And the way that we communicate amongst each other, our senior staff, and, and the way that we solve problems before they happen, like, I feel that I'm on a part of a team like I was when I played softball. And, and knowing that I have my coworkers back and they have mine and, and that we all want to succeed together. And we want to run this company as if it were our own. And, and I think that's one of the things that I learned through softball, you know, taking care of what matters and what matters is the people next to you and supporting each other. And we're all getting to that end goal in the end. And yeah. that's what I love most about working here. <laughs> the Ozingas are really big on family and being able to separate you know, your, your personal life from your work life. And they allow us that opportunity here, which is one of the many reasons why I stay here at Osinga. Um, I love my job. I love being here, but they allow us the opportunity to have a family and go home and then come back again the next day and take on the next day. So that part about 
being um, an Ozinga worker is something that I value. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's a good example for your kids too, you know, doing things for your kids and all that kind of stuff is awesome, but being an example for them to see is also so important. Emulation is, is the key to all success. If, if you want to be successful, then you need to emulate the, the characteristics and the traits of those who you, you aspire to be like. And that's something that I learned at a very young age, thankfully, um, and continue to do it throughout my life and still will till this day. Mm, nailed it. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to have to start using that more often. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Perfect. Gosh, I don't know how we follow that. (laughs) Well, I mean, this has been awesome. I love getting to hear more of your story. Because again, like I said, I remember watching you, you know, on TV. Uh, Yeah, like when I was going starting to go through the recruiting process. And that's really cool. Yeah. And so this has been really cool for, you know, 14 year old Jenna to be able to, to kind of full circle moment, you know, um, but I think, I think the thing that, that you should be most proud of is that you started and you started something new and you started something that's for you. And I think everybody at some point in their life should start their own business or do something that they love. Cause that's what matters most It is us being able to wake up and say, you love what you do. And you of all people can say, you love what you do and you're good at what you do. So I wish you nothing but the best of luck with your continuing endeavors with softball. And, and I do look forward to seeing the rest of the podcasts. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. And yeah, you were one of the, the early followers of the podcast <laughs> on social media. So thank you for that. Like, I yes, appreciate that. Yes, when you followed, I was like, yes, I need to reach out to her. <laughs> One, once you're a part of the softball community, which is obviously, as you know, is starting to grow, but you're always a part of the softball community. And I think it's important that we as athletes and, you know, players of the game continue to support those that are trying to grow the game. And that's what's the key is because the key is the future, right? And, and so the future only holds what, what we're able to aspire them to be and how bad they want it. So I look forward to that. Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. I can't wait. <laughs> Softball is like, it's the growth. It's we've already, here. I like, yeah. It's here. <laughs> I mean, the growth we've already seen too. It's like crazy to think what's going to come next, because even since, since you played, since I played, like it's changing so much, but you're right. At the end of the day, that's what we all want. We want it to continue to get bigger and bigger. So. Yep. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, I wanted to wrap up with a quick game that I play with everybody that I have on the show. All right. Um, it's called Safer Out. Oh, God. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Some people react that way, too. But it's, it's, it says the Stanford grad. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's so simple. It's so simple. All right. So literally, I'm just going to bring up, you know, a topic or something. And, and if you like it or you agree with it, you'll call it safe. But if you're like, mm, I don't like that and you don't agree with it, then you'll just call it out. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Makes sense? Okay. Right. Yeah, it's super simple. Don't worry. Don't overthink it. All right. So first question is, playing softball in the snow, safe or out? Safe, because you can make it fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm from well, the Midwest. <laughs> like, that's why I had to ask, because I've never experienced that. So I was curious. You can make you can make some hard snowballs. I mean, when you hit them, they're going to crush, but it's <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Okay. I have to do that at some point. Like when COVID's not you know, in my traveling 
like in my way to travel. You're more than welcome to come to Chicago. (laughs) I would love to. I've heard nothing but good things about Chicago. The food, like people love it. So I would love to do that. (laughs) It's a call away. Yes. We'll, We'll make it happen for sure. But okay. So that's the first one safe. Second one, I'm curious because of the multiple positions you played. First baseman wearing a normal infielder's glove versus a first baseman's mitt. Safer out. Uh, I'm going to pull it in the middle because the glove is just an extension of your hand, so it shouldn't matter. You know what? I kind of like that answer. But, Some... however, I did use a first baseman's mitt at first and obviously um, – a smaller one at second, but my views on it are that it is just an extension of your hand. So you should be able to, as long as you can open and close it uh, properly, no matter what it is, you should be able to handle it. I'm kind of with you. Some people are very like, you know, first base purists, like, no, you have to wear. And I'm like, well, whatever. I just think if it works for you, then fine. So I'm with you. Okay. (laughs) So I'm at second base on that one, I guess. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. So with that being said, last one is have to ask you this bat flips safer out negative out. Yeah. I'm not a showboater. (laughs) I, I, I get the excitement. I just, the excitement should be, I believe that your work, um, takes care and speaks for itself. I'm old school. So that's why I, I do enjoy it. It's fun to watch, but I'm an old, old school, old school, uh, kind of, do your thing and focus on the next thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm more in that boat too. And I'm not surprised that that was your answer. Cause like <laughs> of all people, you could have had the most epic bat flip of all time, you know, <laughs> like at the world series. I was probably at second base by the time I would have bat flipped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but I, I'm always curious with like, um, yeah. Like who's more old school versus like people who are playing right now. Like, you know, and then I think the other thing is like, you just know, like, you know, when you hit the ball well and you square it up. Yeah. yeah. It might go out or yeah. I'd have a chance, but you just kind of, it's a feel. Yeah. You know? So to me, it's unnecessary, but like I said, I do watch it and, and, and you know, I love the excitement part about it. Like yeah. if you're doing it cause you're that excited, like, wow, I'm for that, but it's just not my thing. Yeah. It's a personality thing too. Yeah, Cause, sure. cause sometimes you can tell like, okay, that was just authentic, like energy, you know? And, yeah. And that I'm okay with that. I like, cause yeah. I, I do like that. Cause that motivates a team. I mean, that turns your team around, especially if you're losing. Yeah, you know? no, for sure. It's definitely like a momentum builder. <laughs> <laughs> for certain. <laughs> yeah. But maybe the home run is probably the bigger momentum builder, like more so than the bat flip, but still. There you go. <laughs> Just a run on the board. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, this was awesome. Again, thank, thank you, you so much. So happy to have you on the show. Thank you for following the show. I'm so excited for the listeners to get a chance to, to hear more about your story. I appreciate it. Um, I, I truly, I, I think you're doing what you love and, and it's a testament to your character and who you are. So continue to do it and make it full force. Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Jenna, you have a good day. It was so fun to talk to Samantha. I mean, you see success and big moments like hers, especially in those huge pressure games on TV, like in the Women's College World Series. But to actually hear what's really going through the player's mind, you know, everything that led up to that moment, and even what came after that moment in her softball career and just as a person and a professional, 
That's the real stuff. So I love getting to hear some of that from her. But on that note, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about having a short-term memory. And really what this means is to not let whatever happened in one moment negatively affect what's going to happen in the next moment. For example, if you strike out, you don't wanna dwell on that and everything you did wrong in the at-bat, get in a negative headspace and lose some focus, then make an error on defense. Thoughts are powerful and they can be contagious. You know, have you ever heard that question? Did you really have a bad day? Or was it a bad five minutes that you milked all day? Having a short-term memory allows you to be in the present so you don't let that five minutes turn into six minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, a day, et cetera. But you know, at the same time, I think it's also a good thing to have a short-term memory when things go well too. I know it sounds interesting, but if you hit a home run, absolutely celebrate in that moment with your teammates. I mean, that's, that's great but you don't wanna dwell on it too long. Let your confidence turn into a little bit of cockiness, maybe lose some focus, maybe get a little lazy, then make an error on defense because you're still thinking about your home run. We've talked about approaching the game one pitch at a time. It only takes one pitch for something good to happen or for something bad to happen. So you have to be ready for every single one and having a short-term memory helps you do that. Now, of course, long-term memory has its purpose. You know, you take notes after the game on what went well, what you need to work on. Having that kind of deeper reflection like that is good afterwards. But you even take some notes during the game too. Like if you notice a pattern with the pitcher sequence that could help you and your teammates in your next at-bats, that's good. We don't need to ignore everything completely. You do store that information away. But when you're actually in the box, on the field, between the white lines. Be present one pitch at a time and trust it. That's what will keep you sane. So that's it. Have a short-term memory. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and wherever else you listen, including Believe.com. Subscribe and watch the videos on YouTube as well. Hit that subscribe button everywhere. Rate the show and write a review. Share it with your friends. As always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball, B-L-E-A-V. Of course, you can also reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra2. Thank you for tuning in once again and catch you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.